It's July 22nd, and this is another episode of Sentinel World. It's been a while since the last one, and there have been some energy level issues. A lot of stuff going on, and, well, hopefully this one will stick. No promises, of course. You never know. Stuff happens, that kind of thing. But, like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on. I've, uh... Oh, hey... Hey, the music worked out perfectly. Look, how dramatic. Anyway, um, yeah, you know, big blah, 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 personal drama stuff. We won't go into it because, of course, we have that deep aversion to purple elephants. And, yep, this is elephant-free since 1991. Sentinel World. (gasps) Completely out of music since about six seconds ago. Wow, I need to work on my taglines. Eh, what can you do? On a pseudo-musical note, I figure I should point out that, for one, the horrendous noises at the start of the podcast were actually done with my voice. No effects. Well, one effect, which is kind of scrunching up my throat in a really kind of awkward and painful way, so that I sound like this. And the other one is um, that the soundtrack at the start of this is Basil Pallad. Doris, I'm not entirely sure how to say the name, Basil Paladurus says theme to Starship Troopers, because you see, Starship Troopers is probably one of the most common bits of music stuck in my head. In the soundtrack of my brain, this is like somewhere within the top five tracks, and I don't know why, but I will be humming it. And sometimes it makes me crazy because I can't remember where it came from, and now I've sort of started to recognize it enough to at least remember that it is from Starship Troopers. But there's also the fact that Starship Troopers, while I do love the movie, I also admit that it isn't all that good. It's basically a grade A B movie. Um, It does what it does spectacularly well in garish and barely tolerable and stomachable style. But, yeah, the soundtrack's been in my head, and and it's been how many years since the movie came out, and it's only been last week that I finally took the time to look it up and discovered, oh, well, crap, he's the guy who did the theme from The Hunt for Red October. I love The Hunt for Red October. Again, the movie was okay. I mean, you know, Sean Connery, woo, Alec Baldwin, woo. Wait, no, I can't do Alec Baldwin. I can't do Sean Connery either. But, um, yeah, Hunt for Red October, good music. Really, really short soundtrack, painfully short. It's like a half-hour music for the price of uh, half an hour. But, right. Okay, that, that was the noise that I make, or something similar to, when I make a Spico in the course of a podcast. Now, it's not always quite as bad as that, but, you know, at that point I've basically made a verbal flub of some kind, and I figure that, well, I'm going to delete it anyway, and I kind of have a combination of the give-up impulse, and then the impulse to kind of try to keep going, because, you know, the show must go on, Um, and... The result is a very odd noise, because I'm sure I'm going to cut it out, except then when I went back, it's actually kind of intelligible, and apparently I'm hearing myself make mistakes, and I didn't actually make one, ironically enough. There are plenty of other ones, I suppose. But 
As a result, I feel obliged vaguely to leave it to play. Um, so, sorry for the odd noise, and um, we will continue. Yeah. So, um, you know, had various visitors in town over the last little while, and the one I was honestly most looking forward to was Moonslurk. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to call her that or not. I forgot to ask, so I'm afraid I'll just have to cope. But in any case, um, yeah, she's cool. Actually, she's a lot of fun. She's a very dear friend of mine, and I really enjoyed getting the time to spend with her when I can. And she's really sweet and really very shy, which means that she also tends to leave me lots of rope, inadvertently, with which to hang myself. For example, she, um, well, that sort of odd noise, strange statement kind of thing, she just kind of politely lets me run until I've said something so blatantly wrong or horrible that she can't help but laugh at me. Um, although every once in a while it is actually deliberate, the attempt to get her to laugh, so it works out okay. But anyway, I was saying enough really odd and peculiar things that she actually went and picked up notebooks and was making notes in the notebook about things that I should talk about in the next podcast, and thus, you know, here I am. Now, one of those things stems from a long-standing debate that's gone back and forth, which is on the topic of street meat. I'm uh, referring, of course, to the ancient and storied order of the street hot dog vendor. What I've discovered in the course of my travels around the world is that it's actually a very rare and exceptional art. And I'll tell you this, I have not found a place like Toronto to get your street hot dogs the way you get them. Just nobody else has them. The stands that you find in the U.S. are just a little bit disappointing. They don't have the same oomph. I don't know what it is. The quality of the meat, the the tone of the 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 tone of the the cart, the 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 condiments, um, the additives in the fuels. I don't know. All I know is that there's absolutely nothing like a hot dog from a street cart after it's been on the street for a couple of hours, really soaking in those exhaust fumes, because you got to have the exhaust fumes. That's the difference between a home barbecue piece and something you got off the street. Well, not off the street, on the street. I guess off the street, you'd be fighting the pigeons for it, and we don't really want to do that. Even I have standards. But in any case... Um, herself has some issues around the fact that I have a predilection towards randomly prepared meat purchased from roaming and itinerant and questionable sources. But nonetheless, I tend to hang out downtown when we're hanging out, and I don't do that as often when I'm not, which means that it's a prime opportunity for me to have some, except for the really carefully suppressed gags that I can't help but see. Um, it just, just the idea of it causes enough of a, of a, of a little stress crease in her forehead that I actually feel guilty and tend to restrain myself. But in any case, we were wandering down the street and, um, I was teasing her, I guess, about the hot dog thing and our difference of opinion around them and 
that's when I came up with the inexplicable idea, and it really is inexplicable. She made a note and she sent me the note by email explaining what it was we were going to talk about, and I don't remember how we got here, but the inexplicable Mr. Sausage. And the idea is... (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. The idea is you take a hot Italian sausage, which is my standard order, you hang it from a fish hook on a fishing rod, you put on googly eyes, and you put on a little voice box that says, Hi there, I'm Mr. Sausage, or some other thing. You could you could do all kinds of stuff. And originally the idea was to just kind of use it as a threat. You know, every once in a while sneak up on her and, and you know, flip the old... Wow, that was going to come out sounding a little bit different. Um, flip the old sausage at her head. That could be misinterpreted. Um, no. <laughs> going to... My God, there really aren't a lot of ways to talk about applying a sausage to a young lady's um, head. Oh, bloody hell. Wow. Um, Okay, then. Well, the idea was to cause aversion reactions by bodily threatening her with a street-cooked piece of hot dog and a start... A, a talking, a talking cooked piece of meat. Except, of course, the idea got a little bit stranger, and then I was raving about the possible idea of just using that from, like, the upper floor of a cafe and just dangling him down into diners' faces and having him interact with them. Um, it's kind of like Ed the Sock, for those of you who have seen that, but, you know, less tasteful, much dumber. Um... Wow. See, this is one of those things where if you had the context, this would be really hysterically funny. But without it, it's more um, the comedian dying on stage kind of funny. So uh, I think I think perhaps this is where I back away from this topic and perhaps move on to a different one, although I haven't quite figured out what that one could be. Um, I suppose... The next logical topic of conversation has to do with... No, that wasn't really the next logical conversation. Hmm. Yeah, well, maybe it kind of is. Um, So, right. This one really isn't very organized, is it? I'm sorry. I'm out of practice. Uh... Right, so the day we were getting rid of her, um, had to ship her back, so went to the mall and kill some time before the flight. And it um, it was a little odd. She went off to use the facilities, and I was sort of heading for a bench to sit and have a coffee when I discovered that there was a young mother feeding her child. For the record, I have no issues with breastfeeding. I just still think it's a little bit random, not even odd or peculiar, just random. It's unexpected to me to see it in most of the contexts where I see it. I just, I understand that the child needs feeding, and so power to the people doing it. But, um, at the same time, lady, you've just whipped out your boob at a mall. Um, well, yeah. Did I mention the power to you? So I was feeling just a little bit, um, 
unsettled. Not disturbed, just kind of, well, I'm not really sure what the etiquette is of exposed boobage because it just hasn't really developed as a common social practice except in this very limited tactical sense. And so I commented on it when Munzar came back and she, of course, laughed at me because um, she seems to find my general uh, delicacy around the idea to be very entertaining. Um, but then we got into talking about the fact that, well, you know, everything else has gone on. The kid in question was being changed and they actually had a little changing blanket or surface or something that keeps the bench clean, which was good because really who knows what's on that bench. And that led to the conversation about fecal flora, because you see, um, Thanks to the miracle of the news and the miracle of really crappy hygiene at restaurants, pretty much every adult out there almost is aware of one particular bit of uh, human-associated uh, microflora, which is to say fecal coliform bacteria. And once you've got fecal coliform bacteria, you kind of wonder, well, what is the coliform and what are the other varieties? And that kind of led to a riff on the fecal floral bacteria and the, well, shoot. You know what? I need to pick better stuff. I was kind of cherry picking the, the odd topics to kind of get them all out of the way. But I'm not sure it's working. I'm not sure the, the, the amusement value is really carrying. So let's skip forward to more observational kind of stuff. We were sitting there in the mall before the stores opened and wandering around trying to find a spot to sit. We were just chatting and, as I said, passing the time. And we came to the Apple Store. I don't know if you've experienced an Apple Store. Uh, you probably have, but if you haven't, the thing about an Apple store is that it's usually a very big open space with a couple of tables and a couple of shelves against the wall and about the population of Japan all crammed into it, trying to play with the iPods and browse the web and stare at the at the pe beautiful people who are doing their Mackish things in their Mackish place with their Mackish friends. And I have never in my life been able to understand why the stores are so popular. I don't, I don't know any other presence for a corporation that, that works like that, that flows like that. I mean, I don't know. The next most popular thing I can think of would be like the Build-A-Bear place. and They don't like me there. But anyway, we're there before it opens, and it's crowded in there. Now, looking in, it really looks like they're doing a class. Okay, that's fine, but it's also crowded outside. There's there's a bunch of people just sitting there. Ah, oh, shoot. I did this one wrong. Oh, crap. Anyway, there's a bunch of people all sitting there, um, hanging out, chilling out, puttering away on their MacBooks, listening to iPods, chatting with each other, having coffee, and watching, watching the doors, watching the two gentlemen who are assigned to watch the locked doors. It seems like overkill, but hey, they're Apple geniuses. Apparently it takes two geniuses to operate an Apple locked door. So 
next time one of your Mac people tells me how easy it is to use Apple stuff, you keep that one in mind. Anyway, so we sat down to watch, because, of course, the fateful moment came, the doors were thrown open, and this crowd of people from the entire district of Edo went running in. Okay, was that too obscure? Anyway, a um, bunch of people go running into the store, like like their lives depended on, and the place was full, packed. The, the mall hadn't opened completely yet. The store had just opened, and it was packed. Every, every people at all over the place. I just, it's the running of the Apple geeks, which actually was kind of the point that I realized that I was trying to make before I and failed to see the thing that was kind of wigging me about the woman at the mall wasn't so much that she was feeding her baby. It was the fact that she'd come to the mall before it was open to feed her baby. That just seems weird. It just seems like, hey, I'm not doing anything today. I know. I'll load up my baby and my supplies and put the baby into the vehicle and ship them off to the mall. Or I will proceed to whip out my boob and, boob and feed him. Or her. Actually, come to think of it, I'm fairly sure Moonslark assured me that it was a her, which led to a whole other conversation we don't need to get into. But in any case, why? I, I do know the impulse to get out sometimes, but at the same time, it is a pain to cart a little baby, and there's a lot of stuff that gets schlepped in the course of the schlepping, and... I don't know, it just doesn't seem to make sense. Now, the regular running of the kids, the running of the toddlers, that makes sense. Let them burn out, let them gush out, let them run their cars over the benches and crash into the statues and lick the cars. Yes, I said lick. And, frankly, if you're going to put a parked car inside a mall, you deserve to have it licked. That's my opinion. You can deal with it. Um... All right, I think I have pretty much mucked this up about as badly as it deserves to be mucked, and I think it's about time that I put somebody out of their misery. Right now, the only candidate who is available is me. Y'all are screwed, because you've just listened to about 20 minutes of this twaddle. Anyway, apologies for this one. We'll call it a practice run. We'll call it, you know, kind of warming up, getting back into the swing of things, and Hopefully the next one will be better. Thanks for playing. This has been Sentinel World. <laughs>